Hey folks, it's Brian. Before we get to the show today, just a couple of quick notes. Um, we talk about an audio interview happening at the end of the show that isn't going to be here. Um, myself, Vince, and Zach spoke with Patrick Leeson and Peter Tomasi about Superman Rebirth. However, it uh, the call quality wasn't great, so we're going to make that print interview on Multiversity next week. So you'll still get the interview, you just won't get it in podcast form. And uh, in general, this call... I think we lost Vince at one point. It's not our cleanest recording yet, but we were having some internet issues that night. Um, but I also wanted to let you guys know that tomorrow when I'm recording this uh, is the drop date of DC Universe Rebirth number one. And we are going to be shifting our podcast to all Rebirth all the time for the next few months. So each week we will be reviewing the new Rebirth titles and talking about them. So you're hearing this podcast on a Wednesday if you're listening to it the day it comes out. We'll be back again on Saturday with our Rebirth chat. So um, enjoy. Tonight we have a fun guest in our pal Mike Romeo. And uh, take it away, Art Brute. Welcome back to the DC3 cast. As always, Vince and Zach are here, making me laugh, keeping me sane. But we also have with us a special guest, the host of Robots from Tomorrow on the Multiversity Podcast Network, my co-editor at Multiversity, my pal, Mike Romeo. Hi, Mike. Hey, co-host. Can't hmm? shut out Greg. Oh, I, I would refer to you both as hosts. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. We're almost at 300 episodes. I know, it's insane. I just posted number 295. I feel like it was just yesterday you guys were, two, were at 200. Yeah, yeah. Time flies. Well, this has been Robots Chat, which is a sub-show of our show. And, <laughs> yeah, sorry, uh, sorry. That's all right. Now, uh, we are here to talk about Robin, Son of Batman tonight. This is the final part of our New 52 in Review podcast series. Next week starts our Rebirth podcast, so... Check out that next week. Uh, Mike, we put the offer on the table to talk about any New 52 book, and you chose Robin, Son of Batman. So tell Not us. Not originally. No, you had a, a, Do you want to say what the other choice was? It was OMAC. It was OMAC by Dan DiDio and Keith Giffen, and mm-hmm. then you decided, though, that Robin, Son of Batman was more your speed. Uh, what is it about this book that you know draws you in in such a way? Jeez. All right. So I guess the first is the first and most obvious thing would be Pat Gleason. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is an artist that over the last bunch of years, I've really, really come to enjoy uh, his work. I think he's, you know, I don't know, controversial statement. I think he's one of, if not the best artists in DC stable right now. It's a bold uh, claim. Yeah, but I don't know, man. But it's like, not wrong. I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, like there's no one in the line really doing what he does and the way he does it. Uh, and credit where it's due. I mean, it's not it's not just him. It's also uh, Mick Gray and um, uh, fucking Callis. Mm-hmm. What's what's the dude's first name? 
I should fucking be. Is I'm sorry. Just... Can I swear? Yes, you can swear. Yeah. All right. Now that like a string of them have already come out, <laughs> uh, John Callis is, is the colorist. So the three of them together, I think the way that they work with one another, uh, there's no one at DC uh, doing what doing what they do, or even an approximation of what they do. Uh, and I know that there have been other teams on this book, but there's one for me, right? It's these guys. <laughs> Um, not to be a dick or whatever, we'll get into it. Um, but yeah, Gleason first and foremost. And then beyond that, you know, uh, my attraction to this book really comes, you know, like the story's fun and there's a lot of bombast in it, but that's not really what it is. You know, this is a book that coming on a string of, you know, Gleason's been working on this character for, for a long while now. Uh, but with this series and I guess like the eight or so issues that he did, uh, these this it reminded me a lot of of uh, of the different Robin comics that I've really enjoyed through my life, and I didn't really realize it until this series hit its full stride. But uh, I I associate Robin comics with like good times. Uh, good times as just you know in life and so uh it really resonated with me in that way as well which i feel like with superhero comics is sort of that's the dream right like i don't know about you guys but i feel like i kind of read so many superhero comics kind of chasing that kind that chasing that feeling and i found it with this book am i getting too lofty already no no i agree okay. with that okay but yeah, I think that's my rambly intro to this. Vince and Zach, what do you guys think of this book? Just in broad strokes. Uh, yeah, I I would agree with what Mike said. Um, the thing that that I think we're on the wave same wavelength about, especially, is that um, you know there's there's a lot of superhero comics out there. DC's put you know got fifty two books out all the time. Whoa. You know. At least until, at least until Rebirth hits. But um, uh, I would say some of them are bad. A handful of them are very good, and the rest are just these like middling, nothing special about them superhero stories that we've more or less seen done a thousand times. And I feel like a Robin book can easily fall into that because you know, it, it tends to be written as a street level book, you know, or, or, or coming out of the shadow of Batman or whatever's going on in the bat family at the moment, you know, now there have been some great runs on Robin. I'm just saying it's the type of book that could easily fall into that. Like, and it has so much of its history, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this book is aiming for something more than that. And for me, I don't know if it I don't know if it hit that mark a hundred percent of the time, you know, but but it had loftier ambitions than just living in Batman's shadow and and sort of being a status quo book. You know, I mean this was Damien staking out his own claim as a solo character, you know. There's almost no Batman I mean, is there I don't really remember. There might have been, you know, some pages. Like in the with first Batman. issue. Yeah, some flashbacks or something, yeah. or you know whatever. But I mean, this is Damien's book. Um, I guess 
Was there a We Are Robin issue? Was there a Robin, a Robin War crossover? I think there was a Robin yeah. War crossover, yeah. yeah. Okay, so maybe there was one, you know. But but apart from that, like, the status quo of this book doesn't look like any other book that's out there. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, um, I think, you know, prior to this, this was the first solo Robin book we've had since, what, like, Rest in time. Uh, yeah, I forgot about Red Robin. Um, I guess that came after. But like, yeah, I guess you would count that. I was thinking more like the the Robin series before that. But still, you know, and it was also the first series that Damien had as has had as a solo character. There, there was that one weird Damien uh, right. miniseries. I don't, I don't even. Wasn't it called like Damien? It was not Son of Batman, but it was like Damien, Son of the Demon. Oh yeah, uh, it was. It took place it was, in the six 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 universe, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. What yeah. was it called? Um, not I, worth the time. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna work here anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it did. Like you guys said, it, it did a good job of you know establishing him as his own character, um, not pulling in Batman so much, which you know, everything has to have Batman and also just kind of taking this like really weird high concept that I don't think anybody would have expected this, um, you know, kind of like quest for redemption where he's palling around with this giant gargoyle bat thing. And, um, and, you know, and the, the daughter of his, I don't want, I guess not his like arch nemesis, but you know, like a villain, from a previous, you know, run that Gleason had worked on and carried over, um, it, it was just like way outside the box, and I really appreciated that. Uh, may I make a the kind of a, a bold claim here? Please go for it. To me, this is the book in the entirety of the New Fifty Two that most closely resembles the Azarello Chang Wonder Woman. Interesting. Like it, mm. it, it takes a character that is usually embroiled in, you know, in the middle of other people's stories. It puts them someplace completely different with more fantastical elements. And except for the forced crossovers that had to happen, it's very much its own book with its own agenda. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And yeah, those Robin War issues, like that crossover, it it really hurt the series. Like it was like those issues were a huge hindrance to just the flow of what Gleason had going. Like you can take those issues out and you could even take the fill in issues out that, uh, what was, what was the team on the fill in stuff? I think it was Fox, Ray Fox and Ramon box. That's right. And they're, and they're closing out the series. They are. Yes. As well. And no slight to them. I mean, box art, box art is, is, is good you know it's it's all right but gleason's a tough act to follow right absolutely Um, and i think this was one of those kind of like visionary books that kind of you know it i don't want to say it was like made on on the art but i mean maybe it kind of was you know without Mm -hmm. that was like a key part of its you know dna i think yeah absolutely but that's not to take away from and something that I really want to make a, a point of, you know, how many times have we seen the artists given 
a book to write and draw themselves and they just totally run it headfirst into the sand, you know? Every oh, bat book. <laughs> yeah. But this is so, so in that way, I think that this series is really an exception, you know? I mean, did it get wordy at points? Sure. Um, is it the, is it the, is it the most uh, complex or the most, uh, uh, the most involved set of, of storylines and plot points? Maybe not, uh, but it's still got a solid narrative. The adventure is there, and I think that this book did a lot of things uh, for this character that needed doing, right? Uh, for, for the entirety of Damien's existence up to now, you know, he's been brash, cocky, uh, he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, you know, both in story and amongst the readership, right? Uh, so I feel like this series was something that sort of said, like, all right, this. I feel like, I feel like Gleason looked at Damien in a way where sort of like that. This can't go on forever. Like he's got to, in a way, grow up at some point, or we've got to give him some dimension. Or he's just going to start spinning his tires and become one of those, you know, and then he'll fall into one of those Robin series, you know. Mm. So in a lot of ways, this whole series is about you see a lot of themes of redemption coming up and sort of redemption and rebirth and becoming a new version of the thing that you were. Mm -hmm. And we see that in, you know, so uh, the the villain, the so the daughter of the villain that uh, was from. Tomasi and Gleason's run, uh, which was nobody. Uh, it's a character that that Damien Damien killed. He he killed him. Bruce was like, "Do not do that," and Damien was like, "Fuck you, Dad." And then he did it, right? Uh, so uh, and exactly now exactly how it went, I think. Yeah, yeah pretty much, right? Uh, so so now this series begins with uh, sort of his daughter coming and looking for revenge, uh, but it doesn't exactly work out that way. And their relationship actually becomes really interesting, if not really complicated. Uh, and then just from there, it's, you know, Damien making right with just to back up a little bit. And if I'm talking too much, someone take the fucking mic from me. <laughs> uh, the story, the, the premise of this series is that before Damien came to Gotham, his mother sent him out on this thing called a year of blood where he basically just had to just run rough shot across the globe acting like a total dick to everyone that he that he encountered like he's uh he's stealing ancient artifacts and assassinating holy people and just doing really awful things for no reason other than to go out and prove that he can do it and so now this is his year uh so now he's going to spend a year making those things right as or as right as he can um so yeah i'm sorry guys no that's i'm going right. on too much. uh one, okay. so um just to tie in uh i guess a teaser for something on multiversity we spoke we being zach vince and myself spoke to uh peter tomasi and pat gleason earlier tonight about a couple of things with Superman and we touched a little bit on their Batman and Robin stuff and Tomasi made a point that I had never realized before 
where he said like that he one of his specialties is kind of rehabilitating characters, and he mentioned Guy Gardner as a character like that. And he said, you know, when and, yeah. and like again, I'd never thought of that, but that's actually pretty perfect. Um, and I think he did he did in the beginning of Batman and Robin, and then Gleason continued it, kind of what he did with Guy Gardner, where he took a character that had a lot of rough edges and he helped to smooth those edges out a little bit. Um, but I don't think that Damien lost anything. Like it's he wasn't neutered by Gleason in this series. He was just the character was expanded upon and made more interesting as opposed to what happens so many times when they try and tone a character down, you lose everything that makes him interesting. I don't think that happened here. No, he's still got his tooth to him, but it comes across as sort of, I don't know. I feel like everybody has those things, you know, everyone has those moments in life where you look back and you're like, ah, fuck, that wasn't, that wasn't good. You know, mm-hmm. like that I should not have been a dick in that instance or i should not have done that thing or fuck wherever that person is they're probably really mad at me still <laughs> uh you know so i don't know so i feel like it kind of it takes everything that damien was before this and reconciles it with what damien can be or should be going forward and does it in a way where nothing is negated nothing is written off it's all it's all there uh, in terms of continuity, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he still crushed that bat in the first issue of Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. you know? But then by the end of Gleason's issues, we see a very different a very different outlook from the kid, so. Um, Mike, you mentioned before we started recording that you thought that there was a lot of good stuff that happened even after Gleason either left the book or walked away to do other things or came back to it. Uh, is there a particular one of the things I like to do with the show when possible is to give people a book that they don't know they should read and go back and mm-hmm. tell them to read it? Was there one particular issue that stood out to you as like a particularly good fill in issue? Oh, I don't think I said that. <laughs> and if I did, it was to be nice. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't really care for the fill in mm-hmm. issues. I th- it, guys, back me up. Didn't he say that there was some good stuff there? I think maybe he uh, meant the stuff, the Gleason stuff in between. That, that oh the yeah, that's between. that is what I said. Like the Gleason stuff that kind of oh, fell in between okay. other fill-in issues. Oh okay. Oh yeah, yeah, because that's when Zach said that he had stopped reading, and I said you had missed some good things. But th- those good things were in reference to, uh, like the last two, Gleason issues. Oh okay, my bad. Sorry, folks. Uh, no Don't recommendations think. today. Robin um, War. <laughs> Did you read the rest of the Robin War tie-ins? No, no. <laughs> I wasn't sure how much of a completionist you were going to be with it. I have them. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, I guess. Well, just the Robin ones. I don't oh, okay. have like the other, the other ones. Like I didn't want to break the numbering, even though like that. I know that's stupid, but no, it's that's a, what we do. It's a real thing. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> It's an illness. <laughs> it is an illness. <laughs> um, my microphone just fell. Um, so, go ahead, Mike. I, I feel like you know. So I, I talked a little bit before about the um, the the different ro- the different periods of of Robin comics that I felt like this really harkened back to, uh, and I feel like it touches on a lot of stuff. Uh, and like, I kind of wanted to get into those things a little bit. Like, are you guys Robin 
fans in general or are you read in the robin titles i'm not very well read in right. robin at one point i had read all of the tim drake robin series but yeah that, but i haven't read that series i think since it stopped coming out well so yeah you know i feel like i feel like this in in terms of tone i feel like this comic has a lot to do is very similar to those uh uh chuck dixon robin mm -hmm. series right like they were like the mini series that he did and then he did that ongoing and those always had a feeling of um you know the art was definitely very of the dc house style at the time but in terms of narrative those stories were you know, Robin without Batman, Robin dealing with problems on his own, Robin making friends and allies out in the world. And I felt like it was really, I felt like it was really strong stuff. Uh, and I also get a feeling of, did you guys read Robin 3000? No, I don't Robin even know if I've ever heard of that. So that came out maybe 91 uh and hold on let me look it up real quick so basically um is basically dc's answer to like the 2099 <laughs> comics but not in as extreme not nearly as extreme of a uh, of a concept it was um uh geez how am i forgetting his name greg would shit if he heard this uh p craig <laughs> russell Mm -hmm. uh p craig russell did the inks in it so it's like really wispy and whimsical and you know gotham city in the year 3000 uh, and it's just adventure comics that look really fantastic you know but then there's also a lot of i think that the robin books are good when they get dark as well uh, and i don't mean dark like justice league dark i mean mm -hmm. dark like like he's a kid and he's doing some really serious shit. And it can be fun in games for a while until he gets in over his head. And there are points to this Robin comic where it starts to feel like a horror book. And, you know, like with the way with the way it's colored, like there are like a lot of monochromatic reds and super dark cast shadows. And it feels scary. It feels horrific. And then that's the sort of stuff that makes me remember like the Mignola death in the family covers or those covers were so scary to me as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the third, the third chapter with the bloodied Jason Todd on uh -huh. the cover. Yep. Like that, like really, I shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't have had that comic. Right. Yep. <laughs> um, and like it like it's it's like this scary unsettling thing because then you're reading this kid and you're a kid and you're flipping through this thing and you're like oh fuck it gets real out there uh it's not just swinging from a batarang around Gotham City and i also along the same lines of uh those Mignola issues i remember the uh during nightfall the Kelly Jones and uh Kelly Jones and Sam Keith were alternating covers mm -hmm. Through that, I think Jones was doing the main Batman series and Keith was doing detective, the detective yeah. covers. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the detective cover where like Robin is tied up and sitting in uh -huh. like sewer water and like Killer Croc and Bane are hovering over him? Uh huh. That was another one. That one scared the shit out of me too. 
So, you know, I feel like so all of that, all of the sweet spots uh, of my Robin reading over the years were all really, all really culminated in this series. And it feels like you ever have one of those comics where you're like, fuck, this is for me. Like this is yep. this comic was made for me. Like when I read Copra, I'm like, this is this comic was made for Greg, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, and I read this book, and it's like, yeah, it's like hitting on all those fucking all those strides, all those sweet spots, all those all those high water marks from the years, and it all happened in a tight nine issues or whatever it was that Gleason did. I really like hearing somebody be that happy with a book. That makes me very happy. It makes me really happy that I'm this happy with a DC book. Yeah, you when, know what I mean. When was the last time that happened for you? I don't know. Like, there's always like, there's always stuff that I get into. You know what I mean? Like, I enjoyed Omac for the art. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe this is sacrilege, but remember when uh, Justice League International launched mm-hmm. with the new Fifty Two? Yeah. Uh, I had no qualms with that. You know. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I have qualms with you having no qualms with that. <laughs> but I don't know. Like it just seemed like a like terrible an terrible unattack- comic. Yeah, I know. No, no, no. Like not. You, yes. you got Jurgensen liked it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's it's not unheard of. No, listen. <laughs> Look, we've all been Jurgens here and there. We know, and it's been okay. No, I'll tell you. Like, will I? Will I try to tell you that that was a good comic? No, man, I'm not dense. Uh, but there was something about it. There was just this, I think unattached is the best word. Unattached from the line, reality, good sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and because of that, I got like a real sense of just fearlessness. And I mean, the end of the run got, you know, when you see someone... Uh, you ever seen one of those videos when someone's going to do a long jump, but they kind of misstep before they jump? Yep. And then they just tumble for 20 feet? That was kind of the end of that series. But for a minute, it had a good stride to it, I thought. I mean, uh, it had but, a great cast. Yeah. Like Booster and... August General and Iron. August Gen- Yeah. Oh, I love that guy. <laughs> I only know that Who's- name because I just had I just reread through the the last final days of superman yeah otherwise he, i wouldn't have remembered it even omac omac showed up yeah omac was in that. that was in that uh the annual that ended the series right mm-hmm. yeah i think Ooh. he came in a little bit earlier too oh, okay where, where jaime reyes basically became poochie and went yeah. back to his home planet yeah <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. i mean yeah yeah so but I'm sorry, I let us down. I let us down a dark alley. What were we talking about? This show is nothing but a series of diversions, so don't worry about that. <laughs> All right. Um, no, you were talking about just. I feel how- like I chase a thought and then I end up like in a fucking cul-de-sac with no way out. <laughs> well, that's how it always. That's that's the usual. That's how okay. we do. Right. Uh, no, you, you were saying about how how much this book just kind of tickled your fancy. Oh yeah, like there's no other DC book. That does that. And that's not to say that there aren't DC books currently or DC books in recent memory that I haven't enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But this is like the one, you know, like, I don't know that there's been anything. I mean, hands down over the new 52, there hasn't been anything that I've enjoyed more on an art level, on a narrative level, on a personal level. 
Um, but then on top of that, like I'd even like venture out into the pre new 52. Like I can't off the top of my head. I'll remember later when I can't sleep. Uh, I'll be like, oh yeah, that's a book that I liked a lot. I should have said that one. But as it stands now, I've, you know, yeah, I got nothing, you know, and then even the stuff that like, I look way back and I'm like, yeah, that was fucking cool. Like nightfall. I know that that was a garbage comic, but there's, <laughs> there's an attachment to it. You know, there are elements of nightfall. I will still defend like the Sam Keith covers. Yeah, and and not to get all Chris Sims on everybody here, but like the idea that Bane is the physical opposite of Batman, how Batman is somebody who you can uses his brain and through his brain is able to do amazing things with his body, whereas mm-hmm. Bane just has the most like devastating physical appearance ever. He is the mirror image. He is like the polar opposite of Batman, and I think that's an interesting path that that was approached in in the Nightfall stuff. Yeah. But yeah, most of it was garbage. Yeah, you know, I mean, and it was like, you know, trying to capitalize on some things that were popular in the in the zeitgeist. And Spinal injuries were all the rage. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's like I'm, the fallible I'm, hero of yeah, the no, early I'm 90s. Of course, of course. Oh. And the anti-hero of Asriel... And, Don't, uh, what what's wrong with Azrael? Nothing's wrong with Azrael. It was just okay. anti-heroes were, were a big deal. Yeah, it, you know, I feel like, especially, because you look at something like Death in the Family, and maybe you guys have different thoughts than me. I feel like Death in the Family, as a Batman story, as a Robin story, as a Joker story, I think it holds up. I think it holds, I think it holds its, its, its water over all these years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it easily could have been something that, in hindsight, reads like Nightfall does, or reads like Death of Superman does, or. But it doesn't. Maybe it's the Mignola covers. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't take much for me. <laughs> I would argue that Death of the Family, Death in the Family, rather, not Death of yeah. the Family. Did I say of or in? No, I, I said of. Okay. Um, the difference between Death in the Family to me is that there was, um, while it was still gimmicky, it started off as a story and then moved into gimmick. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like with both Nightfall and Death of Superman, it started off as a gimmick yeah. and they tried to make a story around it. Yeah. There's still something I could respect in that, I think. <laughs> oh, sure. I mean, you know. Um, yeah. Remind me when we stop recording to bring up Death of Superman again. But that's a whole other story. Um, okay. Spoilers for upcoming dc stuff folks um oh really not really not really sort of are you saying not really really. because you tipped your hands and now everyone knows no 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 no. it's uh i'll put it this way we were given some comics today to preview before an interview and death of superman is referenced very literally in there oh Um, but we're not getting death of superman 2 to compete with civil war no 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 no, 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 nothing at all No. no no Not at all. Well, we already got that. We did uh, in movie form. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. spoilers! What he died? Huh? I don't know. <laughs> huh? The, the the dirt moved. So <laughs> the dirt did move. Oh, did that really happen? It did. Did he come out with a mullet? He didn't come out. The dirt moved. Did he come black. out white poly bag? <laughs> <laughs> well, he definitely will now that Jeff Johns is in charge. Yeah. He will come out with the mullet. 
And the white poly bag. God, I would, I, I would, I'd go to a Superman movie if he had a mullet. And there will be seven different colors of Superman instead of, instead of four replacements. I honestly like would see that movie (laughs) if it was like the Rainbow Superman core. (laughs) Hell, I would totally go see. Oh, and they were all electric. Okay, yeah, you you stole my joke there. Um, but no, I, honestly, I I think I would rather at this point the next DC movie to be just a straight adaptation of Reign of the Superman, and just to have like shitty '90s uh, Eradicator running around on screen. Oh, who would play those characters? All right, let's do this. Um, Guys, you want to talk about a tangent right now? Yeah, well, we're uh-huh. we're going at it. Um, all right, uh, I say that Zac Efron would play the Metropolis <laughs> yes. Kid. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, who's Steel? Definitely Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> well, yeah, just for continuity's sake, Shaquille yeah. O'Neal. Is, Come on, dude. Is Steel, you're right. My bad. Um, Cyborg Superman, who would it be? Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and sure. Mike, yeah, yes. sure. And then uh, the Eradicator, who's it going to be? Can that also be Keanu Reeves? <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, in the sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, he plays the same character, but one of them is wearing sunglasses. I kind of, I kind of yeah. see like Jim Carrey as the Eradicator. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh no! It makes just as much sense as Jim Wait, Carrey Jim as the Carrey Riddler. As the Riddler. Exactly. As yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so all of these people that we picked are super '90s, except for Zac Efron. So we need to pick a, a '90s person. Oh, uh, for Superboy. Sam from Carissa explains it all. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I hope they bill him as that too, like Keanu Reeves, <laughs> Jim Carrey, Sam from Carissa explains it all. <laughs> And Shaquille O'Neal in Reign of the Superman. Oh, man. Directed uh, by Max Landis. Oh, definitely. Oh, I didn't even think that was in question. Lax Landis, you mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brian, he's going to figure out what we call him on social media so he can't find us. Oh, speaking of Lax Landis, uh, or that sort of thin veil, mm-hmm. uh, as DC guys, are any of you reading Pencilhead? No. Ed McKeever's Pencilhead? No. Oh my goodness. No punches held. He's like airing all the dirty DC laundry. Really? From like the 90s. Yeah. Oh, from the 90s. So, so. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I've never been a McKeever guy, but. Actually, it goes up to today. Like the most recent issue had Dan DiDio in it. Oh boy. Is it just referred to as the idiot? Well, now, now I'll have to. <laughs> yeah, he's like uh, he's like a That's giant. Slander. He's got a giant head, a tiny body, no neck, so he's like an upside down road cone almost. Uh, and he's never he's always hovering and farting above the ground. <laughs> oh, so Brian could do the physical impression too. <laughs> There's a really funny story in that about how he took over the office next to his. And had one of the doors uh, walled off, and then walk, and then one day walked into that door like it was still there. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Anyway, the the book is very unkind to a lot of people. Ah. Yeah, but that's an, that's another 
he he's got a lot to work out that Ted McKeever. Yeah, well, I mean, like you read that series and you're like, oh yeah, fuck, he got a raw fucking deal. Frank Miller shows up in it. He goes out to dinner with Frank Miller, and it's as insane as <laughs> it would have to be. Wow. Yeah, you guys should read it. Yeah, it only sells like a thousand copies an issue. So For that's some- like one tenth what Robin said of Batman sold. Uh, no, yeah. yeah no, I, I don't think, know. I think it was selling like 16, so 1 16th. That's not a lot. It's not a lot. For a DC comic, right? Like, yeah, you know, like all Batman's, those... Batman's like at 100,000 a month, right? Yeah, but all those DCU titles that came out, which were, for the most part, pretty good, Omega Men and Midnighter and Martian Manhunter, none of them sold worth anything. Yeah. Hey, here's something that I was thinking about. Do you guys think that like this whole DCU thing and basically like the last 12 months of DC publication. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that they're just like dumping every everything that they can on the market and they were just trying to get everything out before the 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 reckoning that they knew had to have been coming at some point? Yeah, I think so. See, I, I think the opposite. I, I think that they are so sincere in everything they, that they do that really? ev- that every like relaunch they naively believe is going to be great, and then when it doesn't work, they have to scramble. But yeah, I don't. Th- I, think I don't that, think I DCU think was really a relaunch. Everyone keeps saying that. But I wouldn't I, even. Well, it wasn't I, I a just, relaunch, but I it was. It was I don't it think re- it's equitable to. I feel like it's as much of probably more of a relaunch than uh, Rebirth is. Honestly, really. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, like... See, I saw it as just an initiative of, of new books while all these other books were... St- I mean, none of them were really mainstay titles. Well, the way I see it is we got all of these, like, weird artsy titles, if you want to call them that, and then the big three all had... Well, I guess Wonder Woman didn't really... She had a pretty major shake-up in that the Finches <laughs> right. were... But that's uh, mean. I'm sorry. But like Batman and Superman both went in like wildly different directions. Whereas like in yeah. Rebirth, it doesn't seem like anybody anything's really all that different, other than you know with Superman and the the thing. This is this is what I think Rebirth is going to be. It's going it's going to be D- DC with under this particular management. It's their last shot, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's having it's having their cake and eating it too, f- on behalf of everyone. So you're gonna get all these old characters back. You're gonna get like more or less books that are pared down to very simple titles. You know, pretty much everything is a title that's existed before, except for like three books, right? They're Super all Sons like, and uh. uh... New Superman. New and, Superman, and there's one more. You're right. Yeah, but anyway, like everything is very familiar on its surface. They're bringing back all these legacy characters. They're they're basically going to give you. They're going to give fans kind of what they've been asking for, at least on a surface level. And then they're. Do we lose Vince in the middle of that thought? Oh, man. I think so. Maybe. He so was. What- he was really building up to something there too. He was. Uh, I feel like while we're waiting for him to return, um, I feel like I have a really different view on DCU and then DC Rebirth. I feel like 
you know, the highest ups saw the saw the sea change coming, knew that something big had to come, and that would be what turned into rebirth. Uh, and so they basically had a year where they were letting they were letting titles run up, they were canceling titles, they were starting to get their shit in a row uh, to do this thing, and so they started giving a bunch of books to people. Uh, to kind of make them happy, to keep them on board, you know. So then you get like the Robinson of Batman, you get Omega Man, you get these other titles uh, as sort of a, a holding pattern that they're like, hey, if these things work out, they hey, work sorry. out. It's okay. If these things work out, they work out. If not, no big deal because we don't really give a fuck anyway. You know, they put like no promotion behind the DCU stuff. You know, like, other than saying, like, oh, yeah, DCU is a thing. Well, but they, I mean, they did all of those, like, free previews in the back of the Convergence books. Yeah, the Divergence previews. Like, that was the biggest, that, that was a, that huge, was a huge push, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but the push wasn't sustained. It's like they did, no. it's like I they, mean, they did what they felt like they had to do and not an ounce more. Well, their marketing is, yeah, I, mean, I, I will all, actually all around. I will take umbrage with that statement, Mike, because uh, umber me. (laughs) uh, The first thing I just I I feel like DC didn't do free previews for the new Fifty Two, which was not not to the extent that they did for Divergence. They did eight page previews for every book after for DCU, and not just every book that was new for every title period. They did a free eight page preview. And not just like a preview of the first issue either. It was like original content, yeah, standalone but... content for every every book. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember, there was a Robin one. There was a Son of Batman yeah, one. Exactly, there was, yeah. But they didn't do that at the beginning of New Fifty Two. No, they didn't. As well, there was nothing previewed at the beginning of New Fifty Two. Huh. Yeah. So I I don't I don't necessarily necessarily agree with that. What I'll say is this though. I feel like the opposite is true because if you look at DCUs, that was last June. That was just about yeah. a just about a year before Rebirth, and you had people like Tom King and Steve Orlando given books that were never expected to do that well. Yeah, and then both of those guys knocked them out of the park, and they wind up writing Batman and Supergirl, arguably two of the most recognizable characters DC has for uh for rebirth and i think that that's because they were they really believed in those guys a year ago but but they didn't believe in the books like, I, I really think that that the dio is the is the kid who's like running full steam ahead at everything he does well and... i don't think that we're i don't think we're too divergent on stuff you know what i mean it's like i i, I feel a lot the same like they don't they don't believe in the books that these people were put on, but they believe in the creators themselves, and they needed to have them doing something in the interim between when they knew a change was coming and when the actual change would be implemented. You know, it's the same thing with Gleason yeah. on, on Son of Batman. You know what I mean? This is a low-selling book that, like, no one but me seems to give a shit about. <laughs> um, we all liked it. And now, uh, and now he's drawing Superman. Right? Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm I'm going to make a pretty pessimistic prediction about Rebirth. Those are my favorite predictions. And then Vince I, is going to counter it with how much he loves it. I, I think it's going to be good. Well, okay, no. I think it's going to be pretty much what I've wanted for the most part. Okay. Well, uh, 
actually, no, I, I take that back too. I think there are going to be <laughs> I don't some want things this about at all. it. I think there's going to be some things that I like about it. I think a lot of it just seems like more of the same. And unless there's a like major, um, like civil war two level event, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. infinite crisis two, unless there's an infinite crisis two within the first year of DC rebirth, I think the sales are going to be about where they are now this time next year. Yeah, I agree. And you know, like the stuff that isn't the stuff that's really just staying the course, the longer, the, the further from flashpoint we get, the more I just feel like DC is convinced that their readership are idiots and can't handle anything outside of, outside of the norm. Uh, yeah, which I find to be, you know, a little insulting. Not to not to portray myself as a giant DC reader, but uh, I mean, I guess historically I have been. Uh, can I can I float a crazy theory? Yeah, why not? So I, I mentioned this to Vince and Zach in the text this morning. Do you want me to get Alex Jones on the call? Please do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. The um. All right, so I, I was thinking about the New 52 this morning, as I often do As in the you mornings. do every morning. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I wake up, pour my coffee. Think of Your morning it. prayers. Yeah, I, 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 I think about um, Blackhawks, and then I <laughs> oh uh, take a shit. Or, seven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, and I was thinking about the excitement that I had as a reader for that, mixed with a, a healthy dose of pessimism. But I remember like picking up... Maybe it was Batman number one. It was one of those number one books. And I remember really being curious about what was still in continuity versus what wasn't, what the tone was going to be. And I remember really enjoying the issue, but I felt like there weren't a lot of the questions that I was asking being answered. And I think that part of my frustration with the New 52 was that the whole first year or so was spent teasing things that maybe did or didn't happen in continuity. But because you had to wait a month between each issue, by the time those questions were finally answered, you're 10 months down the road and you don't care anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I think that actually the twice monthly shipping for a continuity shifting event is the smartest thing they can do because it will get people's questions answered sooner. And it will get that shit out of the way and let people focus on the stories themselves. Have they said who Joker is yet? No. Will you guys no, tell me when they do? No, but Walt knows. How does Walt know? <laughs> you didn't read the, the I, piece Walt wrote that was great? Oh, I did, but that was... I, I, just didn't, think I thought he, I didn't I know if something new right. would happen. No. Uh, no, yeah. No, I think Maybe Walt next was... week. Yeah, I think we will know this time next week for sure. I can't believe it's already upon us 80 pages next week baby it's astounding by the time people are hearing this right now they will be they will have already read it oh shit and they'll be very happy (laughs) about about one thing that yeah certainly um but yeah i honestly think that the the accelerated shipping rate is the best thing when there's a continuity shifting event like this Mm-hmm. I think it will come back to bite them in the ass, absolutely. But I, I think oh, the that... trades are going to be a mess. Oh yeah, 
Oh, except yeah. for like the Rucka Wonder Woman. Yes. Wonder, be- Wonder Women. Yes. Women's. <laughs> because Whoa. that is that is planned out quite well. Yeah, because it'll just be two different trades. Yeah. You know? But everything else is going to be like alternating artists. Although I I think all of the first arcs are done by the same artist. They're not. They're not. They're not, not all the not all the titles. Some of them are alternating. Like Superman is alternating. I I I think just I think after the rebirth special, Gleason's doing the whole first arc. I thought I saw for number. I thought like either number two or number three. Uh, yeah, I could no, be totally I, wrong about this. I think Mike's right because I think. I think Gleason in our interview even alluded to uh, Monkey. Well, Monkey did the uh, the rebirth right. special, yeah. But I think, yeah, but I, I think he's also doing like issue three. Oh, okay, maybe he is yeah. or two or whatever. You know, like mm-hmm. well, at least that will look good. I yeah, both of those will look good. That's okay. Oh yeah, yeah. No, have, no fault on that. Yeah, they have not uh, their styles aren't exactly the same, but I feel like they're the two closest analogs. They're of a school. Yes. You know, there's, uh, like, you know, like the Kelly Jones and Sam Keith covers, very different artists, but of a school that they, that they can sit side by side. Right. I'm wondering how the, uh, how the Flash artists are going to do together. Have you ever looked at the other one? Neil Gooch? Oh, yeah. No, their styles are completely different. Yeah, but I think they might wind up being both really good and therefore complementary to each other. Have you guys looked at any of Gooch's 2000 AD stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I haven't, but I did like he did. Um, I remember a few Villains Month issues, I think. Mm. I feel like all the British guys, they got to do all like the fill in and special <laughs> month issues. Yeah. Uh, they. I don't know if they were all under the gun or what, but none of them are. Like Phil Winslade did a. Uh, Oh, you're right. Yeah, it's something that looked like hot garbage, and he's <laughs> he like, that, uh, he did that crime syndicate uh, convergence issue. Yeah, and, which is like he like I'll say that I think he's one of the best pencilers working now. Um, and like that was just so unrepresentative. Uh, well, but no, I but think, I thought Gooch's stuff that I've seen at DC was good. Was it good? So if you're saying that that's like a poor representation of his work yes. and then i think he then i'm really excited to see what he does yeah if you pop it in the dropbox it should be like this week's 2080 should still be in there and you can look at okay the strip that he did it's really kinetic there's a lot of motion it's fast yeah which is you know a perfect obviously like a perfect match for flash yeah so i'm i'm excited for that one i want to be excited for aquaman because of dan abnett but mm. I've never really been super impressed with his superhero stuff. You know, like everything he does outside of DC is some is like super high minded and really like great concept work. And then his DC stuff always just seems to be like by the numbers, like a by the numbers ordeal. Titans Hunt is hilarious. (laughs) What kind of hilarious? The batch. Okay. (laughs) You know, like the scripts are. The oh my god, those characters say the stupidest things. I still secretly think that Scott Lobdell is ghostwriting all of that. I honestly do too. Like I yeah. Well, didn't he? I thought I read somewhere that he left after like the second issue or something. That Abnett left that. I want to say that was either a misprint in solicits or Lobdell did one issue. Oh okay. Yeah, 
I'm so far behind on that. I have to. That's I was telling Zach before. It's part of my weekend reading is Titans Hunt to get ready for uh, the Rebirth special next week. My big conspiracy theory in the whole New Fifty Two is that Scott Liddell actually wrote about like fifty percent of <laughs> the output. Yeah. You put in wrote in quotation marks, right? <laughs> well, can, can, <laughs> yeah. uh, he did something. He he had like magnet poetry on his refrigerator, oh and gosh. just put things together that way. Is this is this off the record? Are we off the record yet? Not yet. Uh, no. no, I think we're still on. Damn. <laughs> but let's uh, actually, this is probably a good place to 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 get off the record officially. Um, thanks, Mike, for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on to to talk about this book. Like I said, you know, it's I think it's a really special one, and I wish that more, you know, I wish that everybody loved it as much as I do. You know, like which I know is an impossibility, but at least look at it because the art is fucking tops bloobs, man. I feel like this would be a perfect book to bind, like to just take the Gleason issues and get a bind done of it. Will only be like eight. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Nice, nice small, or like a volume. little slimline. Yeah. Or you could stick it at the end of uh, just fuck it and just do the whole Gleason, Tomasi, Batman, that, and Robin. That's run. an even better idea. Yeah, and be sure to keep add in the uh, the pre New Fifty Two one for completeness' sake. That little art. Oh they yeah, did. absolutely. Oh, and can I say? Can I? Yeah, I just realized a book that I was as enamored with, or nearly as enamored with as I was Batman and Robin, and or Robinson of Batman, and it was Batman and Robin. The the Morrison one. Uh, post Morrison. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, the Gleason Tomasi. Like mm-hmm. I was always banging the drum for that one. Yeah. One of the strongest. Uh, one of the strongest uh, Robin series, I think. Yeah, and one of those New Fifty Two books that didn't really try to do anything flashy, just told great stories. Yeah, which to I know you're trying to get this over with but to touch back on what you said before uh, about uh uh tomasi talking about rehabilitating characters uh-huh. uh you know that morrison wanted to orig- morrison's plan for son of was it son of the demon or whatever that arc was mm-hmm. uh his plan was to have damien die at the end of that oh he, the first arc yeah the, the yeah. son of batman arc yeah yeah, yeah. and gleason was like ah, i don't think you should do that and he talked him out of it. Gleason's the one who, or not Gleason? Tomasi? Yeah, Gleason. Tomasi. Fucking. Uh, yeah, Tomasi <laughs> talked him out of it because uh, he was his. He was his his editor. editor. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we we have Pete Tomasi to thank for all this. Yeah, one of the few. Uh, I feel like one of the few DC editors to cross over. One of the few recent DC editors to cross mm-hmm. over into writing. Yeah, that's he, actually well, and, done a solid yeah. job of it. And he's kind of been the unsung hero of a lot of stuff. You know, he wrote GLC under Johns. Yeah. And it was really good. Mm-hmm. He did mm-hmm. Batman and Robin. With, with Gleason. With Gleason, yeah. With Gleason, yeah. Yeah. He did Batman and Robin while Snyder and Capullo were doing their thing. And he did didn't the best he also Superman do that work. Other, didn't he do another Green Lantern book with Monkey as well? Yeah, he did uh, Green Lantern Emerald Emerald Warriors. Yeah. That was yeah. with uh, Fernando yeah, Passeran, I think. Yeah. Oh, then did did Monkey switch out on Green Lantern oh, 4 then? Oh, Gleason did that it was Black Gleason Adam miniseries with Monkey. Oh, yeah. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Tomasi edited Starman, so he's forever in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, where can people find you on social media and whatnot? 
uh instagram yeah mike romeo also twitter yeah mike romeo and uh robots from tomorrow.com where you can find nearly 300 episodes for free to listen to I'm gonna do my sign off at the end of your show. Okay. <laughs> just don't just, just don't hype your sponsor that's not paying me a nickel. No, no, but you know. Third eye, they're good. Yeah, they are good. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch, you got it in there anyway. Uh Zach, Vince, where can people find you on Twitter? I'm at SirFox89. I'm at VJ underscore O S T R O W S K I. And I am at Brian Needs a Nap. We'll be back next week with um, lots of Rebirth chat. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to dig into this with everybody. So uh, enjoy your Rebirth stuff. And we'll talk soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for having me. I never got over that. Sweet, sweet, sweet.